May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Amen. Moses is back. For those of you who were here a year and a half ago, we spent eight weeks with Moses, but we did not run out of preaching possibilities on Moses. So here we are again. And the story of Moses spans over 100 years in four books of the Bible. And it's one of the most important and accessible stories in Scripture. Important because it tells the story of how a group became God's people and what it is like to lead and to follow as part of God's people. And accessible because even though it happened 3,000 years ago, the way it describes how a group of people stumble through life together, complaining and arguing, celebrating, finding joy, forgiving one another, well, it seems a whole lot like going through life with a group of people today. So there's lots of, of sermon possibilities in the story of Moses, and even just in this story of Moses and the burning bush today, but the one I want to highlight and take out and look at is addressing a question that has come up a lot in my time with you in here. And it's the question, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Whether it's in work or in parenting, or in a relationship, whether it's about moving or staying, when to retire, when to downsize, what to do when one retires, all those normal life questions. But as people of faith, we come to it with this extra thing, which is, what does God want us to do in this? And how do you figure that out? And the story of Moses and the burning bush has something to offer us in that. But we're going to go back a little bit, cover the pre-story of Moses, and then beyond this text, this is 15 verses, actually this is typically where we stop, God tells Moses who he is, and then we move on. But actually what happens at the burning bush goes on for another chapter and a half, so we're going to look at that as well. So the first time we encounter Moses, he's a baby, and he's being saved by five women. Two midwives, his mother and his daughter, mother and his sister, protect him from the Pharaoh's edict to kill all baby boy Israelite boys. It's the Pharaoh's attempt to reduce the population of the Israelites. And so they put him in this basket and send him down the reeds, and the Pharaoh's daughter happens to find him and adopts him into her home. So he's raised in the Pharaoh's palace, but he knows he's an Israelite. Everyone else knows he's an Israelite as well. And so he feels a strong connection to the people who are enslaved by the Egyptians, and he sees how they're treated and abused and beaten. And one day, when he's coming into adulthood, he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite, and he intervenes, and he kills the Egyptian. And he knows what the response will be, that his life is in jeopardy. So he flees to Midian, which is far out of Egypt. And there he meets Zipporah, who becomes his wife, and he meets Zipporah's father, Jethro, and he is adopted into their family. And Jethro makes him a shepherd of his flocks. And it's 40 years after that, after he comes to Midian, that we encounter Moses today. And Moses is leading Jethro, his father-in-law's flock, beyond the wilderness, it says, to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. 
And Moses doesn't just stumble there. He just doesn't happen to find himself on the mountain of God. He very intentionally went beyond the wilderness, beyond where he's normally at with his flocks. It doesn't say what question he's carrying with him or what was behind him wanting to go to this sacred place at this time. But it didn't happen by accident. And when he's walking on the mountain, he sees a bush of flame that's not consumed, and it says this piece. It doesn't just say he walked towards it. He turned aside. I must turn aside and look. And God sees that he turns aside and looks. And that's when God starts speaking to him. And Moses gets more than he bargained for. God has a mission for Moses. He's heard the cries of his people. He wants his people freed out of the um, slavery. And Moses is the one to do it. And Moses is understandably um, disagrees with the job. <laughs> Not that it should happen, but that he's the one to do it. Right. And so he and God go back and forth, and then he asks God who he is, and we have this, I am who I am. But it doesn't stop there. God and Moses keep going back and forth. And Moses keeps saying, really, I'm not the one. I don't speak well. I don't have the right gifts. There's other people out there. Isn't there God? And God keeps countering all of that with saying, you have Aaron, your brother. There are the elders of the Israelites who will help you. And you are the right person because I will be with you. And finally, exasperated, Moses just says, please choose somebody else. And God says, sternly, buck up <laughs> and go. And Moses does. And he goes to his brother Aaron, and he goes to the elders of the Israelites, and he tells them what he heard on the mountain, this crazy idea that it's now time to confront Pharaoh with their great army, which they are not a great army, and tell Pharaoh they want to be freed. And Aaron and the elders do not say, you're crazy. They say, we're in it with you. Now, there isn't any Mount Horeb within an easy driving distance of Washington, and bushes that are aflame but not consumed are not a frequent occurrence around us. But when we ponder these questions, these urgings in our life to look at what God is calling us to, there's a lot from the story we can take. And the first is the openness of Moses to engage the question and stick with it. So Moses very intentionally goes to the mountain. He's looking for something. And when he sees something, he turns aside and walks towards it. Think of how many times something comes into our minds or we see something that catches our attention, but we don't walk towards it. We just keep going. Moses is open and walks toward this encounter. Even when he doesn't like what he hears, he stays there. And in this back and forth between God and Moses, eventually he is worn down, not by the points of the argument, but God's confidence in him overcomes his fear. Now something that Moses doesn't see and can be a liability for us as individuals as well is Moses doesn't see how his experiences in life have uniquely prepared him for this call. 
He was raised in the Pharaoh's palace, so he knows Egyptian culture, which is going to come in handy when confronting Pharaoh. And he also was educated in the rule of law, which is going to come a lot in handy when he's in the wilderness with tens of thousands of people with no law and no structure and no community bounds, and they have to come up with that as well. And he is trained in the leadership of a shepherd, which is very different than the leadership skills he would have learned in the palace, which are ones of authoritarian power. The leadership skills of a shepherd are resourcefulness, attentiveness to what's going on around you, and the ability to get a bunch of wandering souls somehow moving in the same direction, which is also going to come in handy in 40 years in the wilderness. So he doesn't see that, but God sees that. And ironically, though, we are the ones most familiar with our own life experiences. Proximity doesn't always breed perspective. And sometimes we need someone else to point us in the way we should go, in the way our life experiences are leading us to. So when Moses finally decides becomes convinced or worn down when God finally says, it's time. Where he goes is to some wise people he knows, to Aaron and to the elders of the Israelites. And I can imagine that if they had said, yeah, we don't think God said that to you, or that's a real bad idea, he would have happily gone back to Midian with his sheep. But they didn't. They said, we're with you. And they're going to become as important to what happens in Egypt and to what happens in the wilderness as Moses is. So a few people, when they come to me, say, you know, I'm looking for a burning bush. That seems like asking for a miracle, right? But they come and they have these questions and they can ponder through the thoughts and usually a circuitous argument that they've had over and over in their own head and with others. And they're wondering where God fits into all of this and how to know, how to know how to make the right decision. What sign is there? But I think we think of burning bushes in the wrong way if we're looking for a sign. Because it's not a sign that Moses gets. It's a conversation. He gets an extended conversation with God. When people come to me or to God with this question of what they should do, trying to see where the divine fits in all of us, they're already at the burning bush. They're already there without perhaps knowing it. The burning bush is an invitation to a conversation. In the last few weeks, I've had a number of conversations around the question of how did I know that I'm being called to this church in Indiana? And I get the sense that it would be easier to answer with some sign that happened. But it's not that way. The conversation that unfolded over many months in my head with God, with others, there was reluctance and circuitous arguments and the call to stay and the call to go and trying to balance all of that. And unlike with Moses, there was no clear directive from God except to stay in the conversation. And in that conversation, there were moments of clarity. 
And to be honest, that's how I came here the first time. There was no clear directive from God, no call from God in that way, but a conversation that unfolded and moments of clarity. And what I didn't know then, but I do know now, looking back, is seeing how the experiences of my life and who I was at that point worked really well with where Christ Church was at its point in its time and place. The burning bush is not a sign or a directive. It's an invitation to a conversation. And that conversation can go on and on. It can go around in the same loops. But there is a moment where it's time to buck up and move. And there may not be complete clarity in it. But trust that conversation to bring out of you the experiences of your life that you may not, you may not realize how it's preparing you for the next phase of your life. And look for those people, those people who are going to come alongside you. Because they're going to be as important as important in following God's call in your life as the moment and the bush and the signs. You have no idea how life will unfold. Amen.